get started. You know what? Panel, we're going to have to share this. <laughs> so we'll pass it, I guess, you know, because they're recording this. So, well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Ooh, I think this is, is this the last session for the day? Is it? Yeah. So, and the general session. Yeah, the last breakout session, huh? So let's pray before we get started and then we'll get into it. Father God, I just thank you for this awesome day, God. I just thank you for all the knowledge that we're receiving, Lord. I pray that you would just help us, God, to apply what we learn. And Father God, I just thank you for this time and this session right now, Lord. I thank you for our panel. Lord, I pray that you would just guide and direct them as they answer questions. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through it all, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, before we get started, I have a couple things that I want to give away. So, let's see, does anybody have a birthday that is close to today? A week ago Thursday. Anybody have a closer one? No. Do you have this book? Then it's yours. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, let's see. I have uh, two more things to give away. So um, let me see. Is anybody. Oh, anybody get licensed recently? <laughs> Woo! All right, I got a Father's Heart shirt for you. You can have gray or teal. All right. And you know what? If you need a different size, you can stop by the table and get a different one. What? No, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. No, I really think that will fit you. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now let's see. Um, Let's see. I got one more. So is anyone a new mom? Oh! Okay, oh, you will be. Yeah, so you're a new mom. Just a four-month-old. There you go. All right. Good job. So uh, we've been talking about, this is the foster care track, and so this class is really just about getting answers to questions and stuff. We have our panel here. And uh, this is Leslie Hoffman, and she is a foster alumni. That means that she actually went through the foster care system and aged out. And well, you know what? I'm going to let them introduce themselves. You got to tell us something else. You got to tell us something else. But I'm Paris. I'm the director of Father's Heart for the Ohio Ministry Network office. And Father's Heart is just to connect churches to care for vulnerable children and family. So we do that by working with biological families that are at risk, helping churches to work with biological families that are at risk, wraparound support uh, for biological families, to raise up foster families and adoptive families and surround them with support, and then also kids aging out of the foster care system, helping them um, with mentoring and support. So Father's Heart doesn't do the ministry, but what we do is we equip churches to do the ministry that God's called us all to do, right? God 
God's called us all to uh, minister to the orphans and to care for them. And so that's what we want to equip and empower churches to do. So um, we do that through training and resources and any way we can help. We will be glad to help. And if you were in any of the sessions today, you learned about some of that. So, all right, Leslie, you got to tell us something else about you then. <laughs> I'm Leslie, and I go to Life Church Assembly of God in Garrettsville. Oh. There you go. Um, her pastor, I mean, her and her husband are youth leaders there, right? Well, my husband and Miss Brenda are. I did help, but I stay home with my little ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, my name is Paris. Um, if you're wondering why you ended up with two people with the name Paris in the same classroom, it's because that's my mom. Um, so I'm here to speak from, like, a sibling's point of view. I have three siblings that are adopted. My name is Rhonda Peterson. I am a director at Adriel Foster Care and Adoption. So we do foster care and adoption. We're a Christian ministry. Um, but I'm speaking as a caseworker. I was a caseworker with Auglaize County, so I have that background experience as well. My name is Melody Parson. My husband and I have been foster parents for four years, and we do teenage boys. I'm Robin Hudson. Uh, I'm a foster parent, foster parent and I've adopted one of my children that's come over to my house, and I've been doing it for almost four years. Oh, as a single mom, so if anyone in here is single, sure. I'm Stephanie Troyer, and we um, have three kids of our own biologically, and then we are in the process of adopting two little boys. <laughs> about that. Lay it on the table. I said you could lay it on the table and it'll pick up everything. Pick up all you guys, you think? Oh, maybe. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's what we'll do. So, uh, this is just a panel discussion. So, uh, you guys feel free to ask questions. I have some questions that I'll be asking them uh, that will hopefully be helpful, but we definitely want you guys to participate in this. So you can ask questions, you can ask it to a specific person, um, or you can ask it to the panel and see whoever wants to respond. So I'll go ahead and um, maybe start with one question for each of them while you guys think of questions and that, um, that we can ask. So I'll start uh, with Paris, <laughs> my daughter. Um, you know, we not only adopted, but we were foster parents, and then we ended up adopting three of our foster kids. So, Paris, uh, how old were you when your parents <laughs> started fostering children? Um, so, I was in preschool when we started fostering kids. Um, my adopted sister and brother, um, we started fostering when I was in preschool, and my sister actually went to preschool with me, um, so I knew her for a long time. And yeah, we just continued to do that for a long time. Were they younger than you or older than you? Um, so my brother, when we started fostering him, he was like, I want to say two, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then my sister, like I said, she was in preschool with me, but she's one year younger. Yeah, so they were both younger. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Rhonda, how can the church be a support to caseworkers? <laughs> this is not cliche. 
this really is the biggest need is prayer because they have a great deal of responsibility of knowing um, because they're the spokesperson for reunification, for kinship, for uh, continuing with foster care. They really need discernment and they really need to have, um, I would say when you're, when you're praying for them that when they have a gut feeling that they really go with it and can be help, um, how do I want to say it, with their supervisor so that their supervisor is on board with them because if they have a conflict, the supervisor is going to get their way even though they're in the home every day. And they, or not every day, but they see them. So praying for them to have discernment and wisdom, I think, and, and favor is the best way to help a caseworker. Mm, that's good. And this is for our foster parents, and each of you can answer this, or you can agree to go with the next. But um, what have been some of the biggest uh, challenges in fostering? The biggest challenge for me has been... Can you guys hear? I'm very quiet. <laughs> the biggest challenge for me has been going from it just being my husband and I to having one, then two, then three, then four, and at times five or six, or if we're doing respite, seven or eight kids in our home, and, and learning, learning how to not put what I want ahead of what the kids want because I didn't birth the kids, I didn't go through all that process. So it was really hard for me to to just adjust to having these beings in the house that, and teenagers that you can't control. That's really hard too. Because you want so, I want so much to be like, you're doing stupid things, stop. <laughs> but they don't listen to that. So it, it's just really hard to, and, and letting them make their own mistakes. And, but that's, I think that's what the biological kid do, is watching them fall and get hurt. But, and having the trauma behind them getting hurt and it making the hurt even worse. Um, I think for me at first was I have lived alone most of my life. So um, I was always the fun aunt and the fun teacher and neither one of those worked when you became a parent. <laughs> so I had to learn that um, I couldn't be obsessive about things in my house anymore and I had to let a lot of stuff go. <laughs> And um, I had to learn that I couldn't always be the fun person the hard way. So. I think for um, me and my husband, it was making sure that we balance the needs of the foster kids, but we also had three of our own and making sure that they felt still like they are loved and appreciated and making them be a part of helping them be a part of the new kids coming into our home as well as being connected with us you know what I'm trying to like you know what I'm saying so Stephanie how old were your kids when you started adopting I mean started fostering um let's see Zoe was about 12 Chloe was 10 Joey would have been around five and so and so we've been fostering for almost five years Leslie, <laughs> um, how old were you when you first went into the foster care system? I was 13. I grew up in Mississippi and um, my mom had left me with her aunts and my dad was in and out of my life. I, I saw him like every other weekend but he was a really bad alcoholic and he ended up passing away when I was 13. So then 
my aunts were real abusive and my brother was older than me and he's like we need to move up to Ohio where mama is and this and that so then they threw us on a put us on a Greyhound bus and off we went I'm 13 years old alone on a Greyhound bus up to Ohio wow. um, yeah. how old was your brother? my brother was I think he had just turned 17 um, he was never in the system I so then I came up here and I moved in with an uncle and I wasn't in school and my mom had taken off and well I moved in with my mom and her boyfriend at the time but he got put in jail so then she went to take off after him for jail so then she dropped me off at my uncle who was a drug dealer's house and then I was like I gotta go to school so I called the local school and I was like I need to sign myself up for school so then they contacted Job and Family Services and then my uncle got me out of there really quick and put me in his sister's dysfunctional home and it was abusive so then I got emergency removal from there and put into foster care so yeah now does any any of you guys have questions so we have 11 year old son and so he has two older siblings so we are trying to foster younger kids just because you know so he doesn't have more older siblings so how was it going from being the youngest to now having younger siblings was that difficult i know you were still in preschool but was it difficult um i will say it was different levels of difficulty in like different stages of life so like when i was younger in preschool um like I, I loved having you know my siblings there, um, even when they were foster kids. And um, at first, it was you know difficult to like share my toys. But then I think when I got older, it was a lot more difficult to like share my friends. And so there was a lot of times where like I would try to hang out with my friends. My parents would be like, "Oh, well, why don't you invite your sister?" And I'd be like, mm, "I know I should, but I kind of want to hang out with my friends." And so I think like when I got older, that was a lot more of a struggle. Um, but it didn't change how I felt about my siblings. Like, I never resented them or wished that they weren't there or anything like that. I will say that, like, my parents really instilled in me a culture of giving and being selfless. And so I think just having that, like, mindset is so important. And there's going to be times where, um, like, your biological kids might want, you know, time to just themselves or time with just their friends. And that happens. That's with any kid, you know, with um, younger siblings. But I think just like instilling that mindset in them and that heart for um, people who are in need is really important. I think that happens with my regular children too, though. Mm -hmm. When they have a friend over, leave. I don't want to share my friend. Yeah. I don't right. want my little sister going. I don't want her going. I don't want yeah. them going. So I think that could be like a normal right. sibling thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Do you have a question? I have a comment. Um, I Oh, it's okay. I never heard your full story. And that's, and I know I still haven't heard the full story, but I'm really sorry. Oh, it's okay. You went through a lot. You know. And you're, you turned out so beautiful. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, insight. She's raising these godly children. She has a wonderful husband who is so godly. I mean, all, and I know that's part of your story. And I don't mean to talk so much. Oh, I just want to say Well, that's the sad thing about the foster care system is I'm a statistic. I don't know. I'm sure it's probably changed, but when I was a teenager, 
of children in the system end up in prison, end up dead, or end up homeless. 87%. Well, yeah, insane. That's when I was a teenager, 87%. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, Leslie, can you tell us um, what are some things that really um, helped get you to where you are today, like through that? Um, prob probably prayer. I mean, I was rotten. I was rotten. I had a pastor. I had an AG pastor for a foster parent when I was like 15. And they were, don't be naive. Do not ever be naive. I threw all the pillows and blankets out the second story window and jumped out and ran away. And it took my social worker a week to find me. But I'm sure they prayed for me. And then I had other foster parents who were Christians and they were really strict and that structure like really helped me. Like I responded very, I'm not saying all kids will, but I responded very well to a masculine man structure, me. My social worker didn't like it, but I responded well. And I mean like one of the questions, they're still in my life. They came to my wedding. They live in Nevada now. I was their first and last foster kid, if that tells you anything. <laughs> um, but um, great people, yeah. And, and then I also had really not so great foster parents. You know, there's just as many, there's probably more that are taking kids in that um, definitely shouldn't be. So, but you can move on to yeah. another question. <laughs> I got stories for days. Yeah. Let me, I'm gonna make sure I have. When you say caseworker, are you thinking like the public agency caseworker, or like if it's a private agency, they have a case manager, and that person is a, a little different role. Okay, yeah, it's like the the I'm um, sorry, the case manager that uh, the yeah that from your agency okay. that works with the family. Okay, because a, a caseworker is a little bit different as they're the actual custodian, mm -hmm. okay? And then... Well, maybe you can explain that, yeah. Yeah, so they're the custodian from the county that they're from, and that's the ones who make the deciding factors. Uh, but if you're with a, a different agency, a private agency, for example, you'll have your own person come out. That could be a case manager, a consultant. They could call them a caseworker. And that person will be your your most supportive person for you. It should be at least one of your main supports. They come out, they're checking and making sure uh, your home study that you did, that your safety audit, everything is still in place and that they're gonna check and see where the child is sleeping and they're gonna try to talk to the child, probably individually, each time if they're verbal, making sure you have your um, ducks in a row. Do you need, are you seeing their grades are good? Do you think we need to do an IEP? You know, That's the person that um, you would go to first for, for helps with that. So like if you're having problems with your child, you can go here. Yeah, and hopefully that agency can give you some great trainings and some tools for your toolbox and some really um, excellent things that you can put into place because our kids are abused and neglected and you're going to have behavior issues. You're going to have kids throwing yeah. pillows out the window and taking off yeah. on you. <laughs> that was my big thing was running away. Mm -hmm. Can I add that the private agency case manager that you're Manager, whatever they're called at that agency. Mine's a youth specialist. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, 
they're your liaison between you and the county mm -hmm. because I can tell my private agency worker anything and she will filter that and decide what the county needs to know. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you didn't hear that, the case manager with the private agency is the liaison between them and the county. See, when I was fostering, we didn't have that. We just went through the county, mm -hmm. you know, so we didn't have very many private agencies in If our there's an option in your area, yeah. go through a private agency. Yeah. If there's an option in your area, go through a private agency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we had a good experience through our county, but yeah, it's good to go through a private agency. All right, for our foster parents, okay, what have been we talked about the challenges, but what have been some of the biggest rewards in fostering? Um, for me, I gained two nieces. Uh, two of the girls I had for two years. Uh, they reunified with an uncle. And um, there was talk of maybe adopting them, um, but uh, they didn't want to give up the fact that their mom might come back into their lives, even though she hasn't. Um, but I can still see them. I can text uncle and take them out to dinner and take them places whenever, you know, they're available and my schedule works. So um, I've gained two more nieces. Um, it really um, changed me a lot. My friends will tell you it made me way more compassionate because I was pretty much a black and white strict person. And um, I went into it just to foster because I had been doing tons of missions trips. So usually it was one week and you were done. Um, and I ended up adopting my daughter last year. Um, I had no plans of ever having any children. Uh, and she hijacked my heart, so. <laughs> she stuck with me forever now. You can uh, tell because there's tons of pictures on her phone. <laughs> she's so cute. She's adorable. She's adorable. Yeah. She is adorable, so. She's two now, so. Yep, and um, yeah, she's the bonus child nobody in my family ever thought was going to stick around, so. But God, yes. God knew. Um, yeah, and then she has five other siblings, so now I have three other families involved. So, and then the two girls, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> the two girls' mom, um, like if I see her in public, we had a pretty good relationship, even though she's still not back in their lives. Um, I think God's the one who really showed me that the, how important that you know family was when they dropped off a cake one day at my door, and I'm like, just come in and eat cake with your kid. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like not having like, I know there there's social rules, and yeah, I'm like, whatever. It's my house. I'm allowed to invite you in, and you can eat cake with your kid because I know you're not going to do anything to us. So yeah. little things like getting to, you know, let them be a family. So That's awesome. One of the cool experiences I had is um, I have a good relationship with the mom of the boys that we're adopting. And we were at the county talking one day, and she was going through some really hard times. And I felt like the Lord was telling me to give her my favorite Bible. So I did. And I don't know if she's reading it or not, but I know, like, it meant the world to her because she just sat there and sobbed that I cared enough to do that. So that, to me, that was my biggest thing. I'm praying that she'll find the Lord and be able to have a relationship at some point again with our boys. That's one thing that's really tough on she has a lot of boys. On, on kids is when they are cut off from everything that they've known their entire life. And them being the social workers and the adults, yeah, it probably is what's best for the kids, but we don't understand it like that. We think you're just ripping everything mm -hmm. away. Like, 
what's the point in me? Like, I can't talk to my aunt who's probably going to die, even though she was not the greatest. But us kids, these people who abused us, we still love them. Right. And I think that's tough. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's really hard on the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't ever give up if they're rotten. Just keep planting those seeds. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, did you want to share more? Um, the greatest blessing for me has been seeing God move. Um, we've had, I don't know the count, maybe 14 in our house. And all but two have accepted Christ and gotten baptized. And our newest placement actually just got saved Wednesday night. So it was oh, like, um, but that's, but then to see like we've built relationships with the bio families. And we now have one of our kids that was placed with us his family now comes to church with us and that's that's just amazing like it it just excites me to see that the influence is not just in the kids lives that it's extending on and further into his younger siblings who are now coming to church and in kids church and having God put into them Um, that that's been like the greatest blessing in seeing seeing the kids that have like I have one kid who went went through so much trauma of just his mom not being a mom to him and to see him open up and and learn what a mom is, what a mom does and to accept that and to grow that bond with him. That's been such a huge blessing. So Melody, I don't know if you mentioned this, but she they work with they they fostered teenage boys. So that's a, that's a difficult. <laughs> yeah, we have we have three 17 year olds and an 18 year old right now. Wow. You should get some teenage girls. Yeah, the 18 year old. No. I mean, the girls can be. Oh, yeah. I know. I have one that is girl crazy. It's a different girl every week. And it, yeah, it's just like, just stop, dude. Just stop. I feel like it's hard for teenagers accept that they're being taken care of and they actually have good parents. It's like you go opposite with it. You would think that they would like love it, but it's like they don't know how to be in a normal family. Well, the one, he he absolutely loves it and he needs it, but he's so afraid to admit that, which in turn turns to him acting out. And it's like, bro, come on. Just say you need a hug. That's all you need to do. And deep, and deep down, I feel like being a teenager, that everybody in your life has let you down. You think in the back of your mind it's only a matter of time before they're going to as well. Mm-hmm. So. Right. One thing he said to me recently is, you're asking me to do something I have never done before. And I'm like, darn straight, because it affects the rest of your life. You need to do it. It's not comfortable, but growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. You need to get outside of your box and grow because I'm like, it's the difference between you having one wife or several wives with kids with several wives all over the place. Yeah, mm, that's good. Now, um, Leslie, I know you, you actually aged out of the foster care system. And after you aged out, I know... Um, you had someone in your life, at least one person I know of, that, that really helped you, like, to get on your feet, you think, or it was a, to that? I didn't really. I aged out of the system. My brother was never in the system, so he 
continued on with drugs and that life. And he pray for him, Anthony. He's in Parkersburg, West Virginia somewhere. He has a warrant in Ohio. And his wife, my sister-in-law, OD'd and passed away. And then, so then that, that cycle with my niece, it's like that family curse, in a way, is passed on to them. It's also pray for my niece that it can get broken with her. But, um, Casey. Yeah, Anthony and Casey. So, um, which I take her to church as much as I can and all that stuff. But to get back to the question, I aged out of the system. I was in Lincoln Place in Youngstown, and they had me. Um, I was in a, a like, it was like an apartment, but we were supervised, and I got to walk to work in the middle of Youngstown, <laughs> hide my cigarettes outside the place, like crazy bad area so I aged out my brother and his wife came and picked me up on my 18th birthday I was pregnant within two months and was in a very abusive relationship I had nobody to go to to get out of it I didn't even have my license I had no help then when she was uh, before she was a year old I was I start got a job and I was like I can't do this I can't like keep my baby in this environment so a friend helped me out and let me move in her basement. Long story short, a year went past, and then I ended up getting together with my husband, whom I'm with now. Um, and he ended up, he adopted my oldest daughter. Her biological father um, overdosed and passed away. It would have been last year. Um, but, yeah, I got the Lord saved me, and I started going back to church before we were even dating. It was his mom, because they would watch my daughter for me so I could go to school and so that's when I started going back to church and long story short here we are yeah. <laughs> 11 years later with three more kids yeah. and it's just you just keep growing I mean we have good days and bad everybody does we're all human yeah. right but yeah so that's how it happened pretty much I had nothing when I aged out of the system nothing so, and nowhere to go there was nothing available for yeah. me so what, what would help a person in your situation aging out of the foster care system? How can the church uh, help kids like that? I feel like helping them to be like, to go to college, get it, helping them to know like a career path to take or something you can do. Um, that would be my, like if you encourage, honestly encouraging a career path, mm-hmm. encouraging college, encouraging, um, yeah, because where you could get the room and board. Yeah. A lot of, I, I don't know if they still do it, but most of the time college kids, they will get, I mean, foster kids will get their college paid for. They told me that, but I didn't go to college until after I was past the age oh. to where you get it. But if you go right at like 18, then the government will cover your college. Right, yeah. I think that would have been the best, because it's structure, but it also depends. Depends. Every kid's different. Right, yeah. Only 4% of college students are foster kids who age out start college mm-hmm. and only like 4% of that 4% graduate. Yeah. See, they, you like know, it is when kids foster kids who age out graduate college, sometimes you'll see it on the news because it is that rare that they have the life skills to get through that without a family. But they don't promote it. No. They do not promote you taking a career Less path. Than half of foster kids graduate high school. I got my good enough diploma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, oh, yeah, I'll get you. 
But um, I, I just think, you know, I mean, filling out the FAFSA and applying for college. They don't know how to do any of that. Yeah, right. it is such a difficult process. Right. I know my biological kids needed help. I had to help them, you know, my, my adopted kids, I, they needed help. So I can't imagine a kid who has no support system going through that. So that is a way that churches can help, you know, if you surround yourself with these kids if you have them in your in your community there. Yeah. I mean, um, it could even be like hairdresser school. Something, yeah. You know. So I, I wanted to address something Leslie said. The government does not pay for a college to foster kids. The In Ohio, we're one of the few states around that they do not pay for it. Um, the advantage to the, our kids that emancipate is that they do not have to claim parental income on their FAFSA, so they do qualify for more income. And there are a lot of schools that and scholarships for foster kids. Like we have one that's hoping to go to Malone, and they have a scholarship where they do pick up the rest of the tab for beyond what government financial aid is. But it's one area where Ohio is really lacking and doing a disservice to our kids. I think if they go to a state college, a state college even if you adopt if, after 13, okay, they're still, if you're adopted after 13, they can go to a state college. Yeah, okay. Because that was one of the reasons they were kind of dragging the two girls I had for two years. Because uh -huh. the caseworker was like, if we go another six months and she decides that we're, you know no other family member comes forward and you adopt her. Yeah. You have her 13, that one at least gets her college paid for, for a state college. Or like tri C or like yeah. so Ohio State. Even yeah. Bowling Green, so our anything son, state. When, when we adopted him, it was the age was 16. Yeah. So, you know, we adopted him when 17, so he has been going to school for free. You know, mm -hmm. they paid for it. And with Ohio being county-based, some counties have uh, more tools than others as far as getting kids to college. Um, and some school districts as well. Um, I know in Hamilton County, there are two colleges foster kids can go to for free. Mm -hmm. Two. Yeah. And especially for you, since you do have kids, uh, teens, once a child emancipates from foster care, now not adopted, but truly emancipates, mm -hmm. they have the Bridges program. As long as they're working or going to school for a combination of 80 hours per month, that's it. If they can keep that up, they get a subsidy that varies, but it's around $1,000. I mean, it can go up even higher. Even if they're in college full time, they get additional monies to help with that. And so that is a huge, huge thing, mm -hmm. but not every county is pushing it but they should, so make sure. Uh, yeah, we know, uh, we're very well educated in it because we've seen our kids come out and take advantage of it. It's the wow. reason, it's actually the reason we don't adopt our kids because they don't, they have to emancipate, they have to emancipate from the system to qualify for it. Therefore, if we adopt them, even if it's at 17, they don't qualify for it. That's Plus, right. yeah, so, so it's, and you I. You can always adopt them after the fact. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yes, it's true. We've, we, we have looked into adult adoption mm -hmm. for our kids because we have one right now that's been with us for almost three years and he'll be with us two more that I would adopt this kid in a heartbeat, but I know it's better for him that I don't. Mm -hmm. Just just from the financial standpoint and and he's at a place where he does not need that to know that he's my child, he's loved, he's found a home, he's where he belongs. But if he needed that to be adopted, I'd be like, Yes, we're gonna adopt you and you know what, I don't care what it costs, we're gonna get you to college, we're gonna do everything that we can as if you know he was a biological child, but 
my because I am an accountant and I'm like okay the financial side doesn't make sense to do it so if you don't need it and I don't need it for us to be a family then then let's hold off yeah. so if they're 18 so if they're 18 and they've emancipated out of the system can you adult adopt at 18 yes. once they start school my understanding is yeah you can, okay. I think you can adopt yes Perfect. yeah I don't know if you know um, Lance and Angel Perupski yeah she, she yeah. pastor Angel um, she had a rough childhood, but where her dad wasn't involved, but she, her stepdad actually, they did an adult adoption for Father's Day. I believe it was last year okay. or the year before. Yeah, so I think it was the year before. Right. And the major advantage of that, I'm sorry, is that it gives those kids the legal rights to inherit to your stuff when you pass away, right, right. which that, that's kind of important. Or well, that's, I mean, it's kind of important if, if, if you want them to be a part of your family and you have biological kids. If you don't do that, the biological kids are the ones that have the legal right to everything. Yeah, right. mm -hmm. But they still get the college paid for if we adopt them at 18? Yes, as long as they've emancipated. But not all kids emancipated 18. Okay. Like or, I have, or whatever age that they emancipated. Like, I adopted that year. Yeah. But I don't know if that would be true if they're to be, I mean, they could get adopted, but I don't know if they'd still be able to be in the Bridges program, per se, if they're then adopted. Okay. They can under the rules of the Bridges program, because the Bridges program is you have to emancipate from right. the system. And if they're emancipated from the system and not adopted. If you emancipate and then adopt, it should cover everything. Mm -hmm. And, but if you have a seven-year-old, and you go, well, we're not going to adopt him, so we can go to college for free, they will list that kid so right. other people would have dibs to adopt them. Yeah. Our right. situation is very unique because so we take the 16, 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids, don't, they don't want to take them from you. Nobody, nobody right. wants teenagers. <laughs> no. it, yeah, also right, right. it also makes it very unique because, like Leslie said, there, there's not many people that take our kids, so we're a lot more vocal with the caseworkers. Like, right. mm -hmm. like we just had one kid that he's 18, going to be emancipating in June. They wanted us to go through all of this stuff for him to be able to get his license. And I pretty much told the caseworker, you know what? I'm going to do it. What are you going to do? So I know you're not going to take him from me because you have no place else to put him. And no. I'm acting in his best interest. Right. You well, can't let a kid leave and not know how to drive. That's just basic. Right. Well, I didn't know how to drive. I, 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 yeah, I don't think I got my license from I was like 19 and a half. And um, I was in a lot of group homes. A lot. Well, they weren't really like group homes, they were like lockdown facilities um, where you would like, when you walk through the door, you got to say your number. And you would be mixed in with a lot of court case kids from like Cleveland, but we would be in the residential side. And it, I mean, it was just, it's, it, it's terrible. I don't know whoever came up with the idea for group homes, but if you throw a kid in a group home that has issues with 15 other kids that have even way worse issues, they're walking all out of that group home with all their spiritual damage and all their baggage too. Yeah. Being raised by staff who work eight-hour shifts, yes, who have no investment in those kids. Well, like with or me, with me, it's for some of them it's a job, and some of it they're there because they want to help. Where I was, it, it would I would say there was a lot of racial favoritism, and um, that was tough. But yeah, you pick up on all their, mm -hmm. their baggage when you're around a lot of a lot of the other kids. The Bible clearly says God sends the lonely in group of. <laughs> She's being sarcastic. Oh, no. <laughs> God says no, the lonely in his family. No, 
stepping up to take these kids so they have no choice. Mm -hmm. yeah. God says the lonely in families is yeah. the Bible is making a joke. Yeah, Psalm 68 says God says the lonely in, fam in families. It doesn't say God put the lonely in group homes or God put the lonely in orphanages. Right. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> All right, Mallory, you um, have a question? Yeah. So you were talking about uh, aging out of the system at 18. So when you turn 18, then you're just done? I was, and I had like, my GED. So, but could you have stayed with the your foster family? I was in If you wanted to? Oh, you were roommate? It has changed, and um, they are now allowed to, at least until they graduate, if, if they're willing to stay in, in most cases. There are a couple um, counties that still might emancipate them but allow them to stay. Um, but normally, if they're still in school, they're usually still allowed to stay in foster care, wherever they are at the time, until they graduate. So as soon as they're graduated, then they leave? Yes, usually. Unless in the foster family. The foster family can have them stay. They're not going to get any funding or subsidy for having them. Right. We can have them stay, but because they're over the age of 18, they get they have to be added to our home study. So if they have any sort of disqualifying criminal record, then we would lose our license and we couldn't have any more foster kids, which adds a complication to it, especially with the population we take. But... But if not, they also have the in support of, like you could be a Bridges right. support for them if they don't have the felony Correct. System. Correct. We could choose to be what they call a Bridges host home for, for our emancipated youth, which is what the route we are going to take because we're going to let them live with us and pay us rent. Um, none of the kids know we would do this, but that rent is going to go into a savings account for them, and, but it's technically rent um, so that they can have a place to live while they get their feet on the ground or in the case of one of ours while he goes to college still so he'll have a place to come home to because that's a big thing even if youth go to college where do they go during summer break where do they go for Christmas you know for all those breaks that the schools have yeah and if you're a Bridges host home it's like you open up your home for a kid who's aged out of the foster care system right mm -hmm. and uh, they technically pay you rent, so you give them room and um, for them to stay at your house, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I mean, some kids are just like, I just want room and board, but some might let you actually kind of mentor them or speak into their life, you know, help them with their future goals and stuff. So I think that's a great way to help kids aging out of the foster care system if you are able to be a bridge home. But not to be a downer, but to do the other side. If the kids bring in girls into your house or guys and doing stuff you don't want them to do, guess what? They live there. You can't just kick them out. You have to go through the whole eviction process because they live there. We've actually had a kid. He was over 18. He was still a foster, but he decided to run away. He actually brought the police back to our house. When we weren't home, my parents were there, and we, they had to let him in because that was where he lived. That was his place of residence. And they ha we had to let him in and had to let him take stuff. And because my husband and I weren't there, he did take stuff that was not his. So, Rhonda, if you're a, like a, so if you're a bridge uh, host home, uh, 
you you're not are you not allowed to set rules or boundaries or can you? You can set rules and boundaries. Absolutely, it's your home. And the Bridges program is 100% voluntary. They can drop out and leave at a heartbeat, the, the, you know, the youth, the young adult. So it is voluntary, and so they come into this eyes wide open. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you have a lot of 18-year-olds who had experiences like Leslie's. You've been in and out of good and bad foster homes or group homes, and the last thing they want when they turn yep. 18 is to another adult yep. tell them what to do. They want out of the system. We want to run buck wild. Because yeah. the system did not do their job because governments shouldn't have children. Um, but to get them to stay in Bridges takes a home like yours where you're going to talk to them about it and you're going to love on them and you're going to give them the freedom and the boundaries that they the balance. But coming out of a group home, I don't know any kid who would stay there willingly. Right, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't want to. Absolutely not. I, You'd rather couch surf. Yeah, I was the type, I pulled the fire alarm in a lockdown facility and ran away and was gone for two and a half months. And I had the other girl run first because I knew they'd catch her and I'd be able to run up the hill. <laughs> 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 you think about it, it's miserable. It's like you're in jail. It's terrible. Actually, I have a question because I have a similar, similar to your story because I was a foster care myself. Um, I know from my experience, how do you deal with everybody's personality inside of a group of I never was in a group home, but I was in foster home to foster home to foster home. Oh, the group home is terrible. How do you deal with everybody's personality? It's a, a melting pot of um, trauma. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, that's what it is. It's a melting pot of trauma. So you have fighting, abuse. I mean, I got beat with a soap and a sock. I mean, like, because they were going to beat up a girl. I mean, I always had a good heart, even though I just would, like, make them mad when I run off the mouth. But just to tell on them, you got to watch what you say. you got to watch. Yeah, it's it's really sad. That's why I said I think that they're just bad. I, I, I'm, like, not pro-group home. Yeah. I'm pro, like, maybe small home. Mm -hmm. Like, with maybe five to Like, even if you have one that's, like, five to ten kids. But then oh you throw God. like 25 kids together. It's just a melting pot for a disaster to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a question for the foster parents. Um, other than prayer, because we kind of talked about that earlier, what are some things that, like, tangibly that you could use as support from the church? Respite care, daycare, babysit so my husband and I can have a date night. That, that would be the biggest thing for me is give me a break. Um, that's the biggest thing. Just give me a break, even if it's for a couple hours. Um, basically what she said. I am blessed. I have the most amazing church who just organically surrounded me. Um, and so they knew what I needed before I even needed it. They would show up and like, hey, we're going to take the girls and um, I'm going to go take them out to eat for dinner, buy them an outfit for school. But because, you know, they were really good friends, they could sense when I was like, Ah. So um, sometimes they knew what I needed before I ne knew I needed it. Uh, so just yeah, if it's someone, if it's you, make sure you have people around you. Um, the, the interesting thing was everybody in our county, the um, agency, are like, you're one of the few people whose like support group hasn't walked out on you yet. So it's becoming a good testimony from the church to open the door to try to start some kind of foster care ministry because they're like. These people actually stick around. Um, so I was just very lucky that um, as a single woman that they all just stepped up and they did it. Like They all got drug along for the ride. Whether or not they wanted it, they just 
they jumped into it. So I, I was very fortunate. Well, we got called um, about little David. He's three now, but he was 10 days old. And when the county called us, mom had taken off with him and they had no idea where he was at. So we had to stay close to our house in case they located him. And, but yet we needed to go get a car seat. We needed to go get a stroller. And next thing we know, there was people from the church coming with brand new baby stuff for us. Here you go. We know you're going to need this. So that was huge because we didn't have to worry about anything. Like the church just stepped up and just bringing us the stuff that we needed. Meal, meals. Like every time I got a new placement, like the pregnancy ministry lady, like I hear you're getting a placement. What meals do you want this week? I'm like, oh, I love you. Yeah. 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 I was like, part about having a baby. I know. My brought the best meals. She'd bring the roast, the roast, the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like the second placement, I was like, you're going to bring meals again. I thought it was like a one-time deal. They're like, anytime you get a placement, we'll bring you meals. People don't realize it made how it easier much to say yes. Does. It made it easier to say yes because I was like, what am I? How am I going to go grocery shopping now? Yeah. So, Meals are huge, yeah. And, and prayer. Prayer, yeah. I think yeah. it's my foster mom being in her prayer closet every morning, praying for me every single day. Yeah. Yes. And in my, my individual case, too, actually, I would love it if some guys from church would just step up and mentor my boys. Because they really need it. Yeah, my husband can do it, but my husband in their mind has to. It would be great if just guys in the church would just step up because they can. The kids in the system have rarely had adults in their life who were not paid to be in their life. Yeah. I have an awesome, uh, a, a pastor, it's a local pastor that you know him, but he reached out and said, I would really like to take a young man hunting. That was a lot of hoops to go through to get permissions. Yeah. But he yeah. got permission <laughs> to go hunting. And now his sister wants that permission. She wants to go hunting this year. But that was awesome because you know, we get that's cool that's awesome wow so leslie what um advice would you give to foster families like how to help these kids what helps the most besides prayer i know prayer is the thing but like what else? you gotta know that like there is an end in sight um I'll ever be naive with them because they can be very convincing and we can lie and smooth you over to get because you love a leap up in a life of manipulation. Um, survival mode. Survival mode. Yeah. Um, don't all, a lot of times teenagers we will go in and we will tell, tell psychologists stuff just so we can get bills. Don't listen to them with that because they will give the kids all kinds of drugs that feel like they put you on everything. I was on so many pills. I didn't need to be on all those pills. If anything, they make you worse. Um, and the foster parents are required to make sure the child takes them whether they agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a doctor prescribes them, they have to. I would also like look into like putting them, see if you can find a Christian psychologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because these psychologists nowadays are all drug pushers. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, they do. They'll yeah. they put, if the kid can't sit still, you need to be on Adderall or you need to be and I think that's a lot of my brother's issue is that he was on Ritalin growing up as a child and now he's a drug addict. Um, just patience, just patience. And there's an end in sight. And then they can't grow up and not be some rotten. But my husband still thinks I'm rotten. We're taking our pre service training in our 
this is really touching me, Doris. Yeah. Sorry. You want the microphone? No, I don't. This is, sorry to do this, but it's been in my heart for like sitting here listening to her testimony. I was in the system myself, but I never got adopted or anything. I was, growing up, I was abused. So badly that I could have died at age six because that's the worst time. And I was in and out of foster care, but I actually met Paris growing up because my mom put us in and kids. Super kids. <laughs> so, but I got what she said. In the foster system, me growing up being abused, did they something's wrong with us? And you mentioned Adderall and Ritalin. I was actually on the pills. And believe it or not, I'm no longer taking pills. I have ADHD. I'm perfectly fine. And like, like, I know exactly what it feels like to be in the foster care system. I was in and out my foster home because they couldn't handle me. Because um, I was so angry that I wanted to be with my mother. You know, it was not good for me. I didn't know how to react to how to be loved or, or even cherished by a foster parent. But I had one foster parent, there was an elderly couple. Excuse my French, but I put them through hell. And I'm like, dude, was just not giving up on me. But, you know, I, I actually, as I got older, and I became, like, my personality, I'm a pretty comfortable guy. I, could, I, I like to jump around. Um, but, like, for me to go from that situation to where I'm at now, I think it's the most successful, and even her success, to her problem. And my problems, and well, that's why I said me and her are kind of similar because she's going, she's in and out of here and probably your problems. And I've never been in the group home, thank goodness. They would never be able to handle me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like born in a pitchfork, you know. Mm -hmm. But, but the couple that I was with took me to church, a Catholic church. I was sitting there when I'm bored. But what Paris did, though, even showed more love and talked about God. And you know what? I share my testimony still to the Warrior Rangers. I'm part of the Warrior Rangers at my church. And I was talking about bullying. And you know what? Sometimes you get bullied in foster care, too. I had that. I had always got drowned by another foster care. So I know exactly what it feels like to be in the foster care system, and like, I, and you might not have experience, but like, for me as, and you giving the foster parent so much trouble, sometimes they just give up on you. But there's one foster parent who never gave up on me, no matter how much trouble I got into, I tried to run away that down. Tried to, I beat up even one of their own grandkids around the same age as me, but I didn't know how to deal with that love, and that's why I always wanted to take my frustration out. But now, as I think, as I got older, how much love for them to have for you is incredible, because like, they show me love that I never experienced in my whole life. I never really met my dad until like, age 11, 
that's in, in our, like, what, 13, and I finally met him, or 11, one cute. I never had a sense of a father or really much of a mother. Mother really would take care of us really well. So we was in, always in the houses that we get abused by the stepdad. You know, like, I knew exactly what those were, but you know what? Now, I'm about to be a father for the first time out of the next month. And this is my wife, Amanda. She got, but she, I told her, when I first met her, I kind of warned her. We've been together for seven years total. Married for going on two years. She married two years, but I never spent so much love until I got older, and, and now I don't take no medication. I, yeah, I see counseling because I still deal with the issues that I deal with because of all that issue. But you know what? God put me through all this, and for what reason? He loves us. Yeah, and Lucas. Um, you know, him and his brother and his two sisters, um, they used to come to Super Kids, and that's when you were, were with your mom and yeah. all that. But I remember, I mean, we prayed. We, you guys were always in our yeah. prayers, you know, because we knew uh, your situation. And just to think the power of prayer, yeah. you know, and then years later, seeing how well he's doing. I'm 28 years old now. Yeah, so, and even in Leslie, like the power of prayer, you know, even when you don't see it, you know, God's working. So we're going to end real quick because we're past our time, but yeah. uh, I want to pray. I want to pray for Anthony and Casey, and we'll just we'll wrap it up in prayer. One more really quick thing. Yeah. Whenever they give you that case file to look over before you'll make your decision. It might seem really, really scary and awful. But pray before you say yes. no. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yes, that's true. Oh, Father God, I just thank you, God. You are a good, good, heavenly Father, our Abba Daddy, God. And you've adopted us into our, your family, God. And I just thank you, God, for giving us a heart of adoption, to give us a heart, God, for those who are hurting and broken and vulnerable, Lord. And we just lift up Anthony today, God. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just uh, help him, God, to come to know you, Jesus. I pray, God, that the truth would set him free, God, that he would be delivered and made whole. Lord, every time he tries to run away from you, God, I pray that he would just run right into you, God, that you would continue to put people in his life, God, to be that light and that witness to him, Jesus. And Lord, we pray for Casey today, Father God, that you would just surround her with your protection and your love, God, and your just healing uh, power in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you. I thank you for our panel today. I thank you for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.